Welcome to the Production Expert Podcast number 449. It's December the 7th, 2020. I'm Julian Rogers. I'm James Richmond. And I'm Steve DeMott. We've still got some Black Friday and Cyber Monday deals active on the deals page of the site. So head over there, see what's on offer. There's too many to list here. Get over there, see what's still available. They won't be there long, so go now. Uh, talking points. These are sponsored by Artsy. Hello, experts and listeners. Pro Tools Expert Talking Points is brought to you with the support of Arturia. Arturia has a wide selection of software effects, including three compressors, three filters, three preamps, and three delays that you'll actually use. The latest release, three delays you'll actually use, include Delay Tape 201, Delay Memory Brigade, and the unique and experimental Delay Eternity. A bundle of selected effects called the AudioFuse Creative Suite is included with all AudioFuse audio interfaces. Follow the link in the podcast article or visit archuria.com to find out more on the effects you'll actually use. Good stuff. And that came to my attention the other day, actually, because there's a bundle of plugins that uh, come with a carbon if you buy a pro tools carbon you get some stuff with it quite a few of them are dsp plugins obviously because it's a dsp platform but some of them are native and one of them's the 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 arturia do like an emt plate Mm. and i was Mm. checking that out i don't have it Uh, maybe i should get it but um but yeah it looks it looks very good and yeah plate reverbs is a bit of a hole i've been disappearing down recently um i'm I'm looking at them with unhelpful levels of scrutiny at the moment which is uh yeah always a thing (laughs) but anyway uh we should get on to the talking points um so we ran a a piece last week uh, about discontinued plugins that we missed that we wish were still around it was really popular actually got loads and loads of discussion going on the site and we thought that might be a good thing to talk about uh not necessarily just plugins but just kind of discontinued things hardware software things stuff that isn't made anymore that we kind of wish was um i'm going to go in first actually because i'm going to take credit for the tc native bundle that was the first entry on ronan's article uh because that was me uh, the story was, and this is totally uncorroborated, but it's a it's a rumor I've heard from several places. Was that TC uh, pulled out of the plugin market because they got uh, they just got sick of the piracy, and uh, I can kind of believe that. And uh, I used to use that as a cautionary tale when I was teaching, especially if I had students who were a bit kind of like um, uh, morally flexible about where they got their software from. Explain to them if you don't pay for things, then sometimes in some cases they're just not really there anymore. Because what's the point? And I use that as a good example of that. So yeah, TC native, that's my one. But I hand it over to you guys. What do you What do you think? Anything that isn't around anymore that should be? Well, um, we were talking before we started, uh, James and I, and we both were lamenting the loss of Bias Peak. Probably yeah. the, the yeah. best two track editor mastering. You know, back in the days when you actually made CDs, um, that was no no one's ma- matched it to date. Um, kind of wish somebody would have taken that baton and run with it. What was it about it that was so good? The interface was super clean. It was really easy to get what you needed to get done quickly, mm. and uh, it was flexible. 
Yeah, I completely agree. Um, you know, I, I came over to Buyer's Peak from SoundForge on a PC because I migrated from PC to Mac in, I think, 2002, 2003, something like that. And had um, had Buyer's Peak, it was recommended to me um, uh, by a producer friend in the States. And, you know, I could just get up and running with it for doing sound design. And so for me, it wasn't so much doing, um, you know, like two-track uh, mastering, that sort of thing. What I was doing was creating my own samples by, you know, sort of copying and cutting and pasting and chopping stuff up. And I, at, at that point, I hadn't really made my way to Pro Tools where, you know, you can sort of edit audio like it's a, uh, like a word processor. So I, I was looking for, for an, an application that I could create original sounds by chopping samples up and, you know, smashing them together and, and, uh, and it just worked really well. Um, so yeah, since then I've sort of migrated over to, uh, to WaveLab, which is okay. And I use Audacity a little bit, uh, particularly if I have to go out to OG, if I'm, you know, doing something that, that needs to be in, in .org. Um, mm-hmm. but, but otherwise I, I now do all the sound design in Pro Tools because I'm pretty much au fait with that. Um, for me, it was actually one that was mentioned in the uh, in the article, which is uh, Cyclone seventy four Plugo. Uh, it's the first time I've seen anyone else refer to Cyclone seventy four Plugo in years, uh, but it was one of my main uh, application or one of my main uh, plugins, and it sort of brings up a point in that. The lack of Plugo, you know, it really annoyed me to begin with. And we were, everyone that had a license for Plugo was given a discount for Max for Live back when you had to pay for Max for Live. Um, and, you know, so so it very much annoyed, but it also started me off on a little journey of getting into Ableton Live. I don't think I would have, have having had um, a lot of time in Logic and then Pro Tools, I don't think I'd ever have migrated over to, uh, to Ableton Live, um, but also into Max. So, so for me, yeah, certainly, I, I miss the the product, and I'd I'd love to be able to install plugin on a uh, plug on a on a modern computer, but I also wouldn't be using half the tools I currently have. Um, the, the, there are a couple of products that I don't miss. Uh, one of which would be uh, DUI's um, analog bundle. I don't know if you know that they sort of disappeared off the face of the earth. But a few, you know, but a few other things, things like Gigasampler was was certainly something that I invest a hell of a lot of time in. Um, and the other one, the really big one for me, is the Virus TDM um, synthesizer plugin. Oh well, I mean that was an interesting one because the, mm. they shared hardware. The, exactly, the Virus ran the same, yeah, the same processes. The same and God, it sounds good. It? It's yeah, and it sounded amazing. It sounded like a Virus B, I guess it was. Uh, I think it was the equivalent to a Virus B, or maybe the Indigo. The Indigo. It was the Indi- Well, it was. The, from memory, that was the kind of uh, mm. the, the interface. That that was the most glorious thing to run oh, up it's, it on, a, uh, on a D control. Incredible, yeah. And just having incredible. all of that hardware control over it, and you could yeah, you could lose yourself in it, just assigning stuff to faders and just pulling stuff around. Yeah, glorious thing. Pre- pretty much every electronic track I was involved with <laughs> from two thousand and four to two thousand and nine, when I had to stop using it, had that on. You know, not every every track, but. A lot of it, a lot of my sound generation came from that. God, it was good. I'd love to have it back. I haven't gone to buying a an actual virus though. Um, uh, the I, I think um, you know it was it was the fact that it was integrated into Pro Tools that, well, for me at that time it was logic. Um, and in fact, that's that's something I miss. If if we really want to, talk I know about where it, you're it's, going. Now. Yeah, it's yeah, and I, I can. I've mentioned it before in the podcast, but the ability to run Pro Tools hardware with the DSP engine, um, 
use Logic as the f- software front end. I would give literally anything for that to yeah. come back. That I, I, I used I'm to do that. With, I did that with Digital Performer in the early days. Oh, yeah, because that did it too. Yeah. Yeah, you, Digital Performer would, would run on top of the TDM hardware. It was great. Was it was it reliable? More reliable than Pro Tools at the time. <laughs> Oh, yeah, <laughs> this was oh, this was something that um uh, yeah I mean I know a lot of people who kind of bemoan that just because um, going back to my education thing, trying to having a Pro Tools based studio and then inevitably having people coming in who wanted to use Logic and you were faced with that choice once that had gone away of basically having a studio that was effectively a laptop stand because it they mm. didn't it didn't matter how good the studio was if if Logic wasn't available for some people. That was the end of the conversation. They were working in Logic, so yeah, being able to go look at all this amazing stuff. Oh, okay, here's a mini jack. You can just plug in the yeah. <laughs> mini jack out of your laptop through the monitors and be done with it, and ignore everything else. Real shame. Um, I'm gonna. This was something I'd entirely forgotten about this, and it was probably thinking about carbon that brought it back round again. Just because um, uh, there was there are some people who 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 are convinced that uh, that any DSP solution is a complete waste of time. And I'm not one of them, actually, just because um, I like stuff running in DSP. You know, I mean, I've got I've got some UA stuff. I've I've got a carbon here. It's, it's great to be able to do that. I really, really like it. Um, but it is interesting um, and yeah, slightly sobering to think about the, the, the number of uh, DSP solutions that have been put out there over the years that, that have just kind of sort of withered and gone away. And talking about the TC stuff made me think about uh, PowerCore, Power which was Core, yeah. probably Power a Core, move yeah. on TC's part, moving out of native into DSP to protect themselves if it's true the thing that they were they were tired of the of the piracy. No idea if that's true or not, but sounds sounds plausible. It could easily be. Um, and right. PowerCore, I really liked it at the time, especially the PowerCore Firewire, not the cards, but they remember the Firewire one with the kind of the, yes, it sort of had a radioactive glowy blue thing on it. Yeah, I and, remember that. Yeah, yeah. and me, the me, stuff that they had the 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 software they had available for it, there was that and there was this new pretender around at the time, this uh, upstart company called Universal Audio, who were doing things like, <laughs> do you remember Nigel? They had an amp sim called Nigel. Yes, yeah, I yeah, remember they did. that. They did. Very yeah. in-joke, but, you know, I, yes. I thought, yes, I, anybody who's referencing Spinal Tap is fine with me. But um, Exactly. But Manufacturers yeah. are sort of damned if they do and damned if they don't. Like, you know, how many, if you have a look on various forums, you'll see people complaining that HDX hasn't been uh, replaced and we're still using 10-year-old cards and isn't that a disaster? It's like, well, can you actually do the job that you're trying to do? And <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so, so yeah, <laughs> HDX has been around for a while. All the people you who know, are happy with their HDX systems are probably not on on this particular forum and are getting on with some work. So yeah, anyway, exactly. possibly. Oh, I went possibly. there. Anyway, yeah. Um, yeah. so the, with the power call thing, and it's, it's, I would not have predicted at the time power call was so slick and just looked so much more attractive. And if I, if you'd asked me to put money on which one was going to survive between uh, UA and, and the, and the TC one, I'd have gone with, with TC every time, but it's not how mm. it worked. It's not how it, how it panned out. And, and SSL got involved in this as this well. This is the one the I was going to do with Duende yeah, hardware, which, you know, yeah. I worked in support for SSL for, for a little while and, you know, saw an awful lot of those systems still up and running, you know, and the software, you know, they stopped developing the software quite a while ago, but people still run legacy systems. But it I didn't think, run even very many. It, it just did some bread and butter stuff. It was like compression and EQ, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty much. It's, um, I, I can't remember exactly what all the plugins were, but it, but it was, I guess the idea was it's a channel strip, you know, or it, it's a channel for um, with, with an SSL type sound. Um, 
you know, and, and it worked really well. And, you know, people are still buying and selling those things. They're worth virtually nothing on the used market. I think I've seen them on eBay for like 50, 60 pounds, that sort of thing, which at the time I think they were, you know, close to a grand. Yeah, I mean, that's just, that's just the nature of nature yeah, of DSP. You know, tech if it doesn't d- always necessarily get what it deserves, but uh, yeah. it was it was interesting. But I mean, Duende, it was, it was the word came up um, in another context. I, f- I forget what Duende means. It's uh, but um, it was it, oh, it's not yeah. a word they made up. Put it that way. And, no, it's um, a no, Spanish it, word for sunrise or something. Or, I don't um, know. Not. I t- thought it had something to do with a dance. I thought it because I, I I believe there's a, a musical term involved in it. I, I I thought it was some kind of swagger. I've got some association with with kind of uh, matadors and things, but maybe I'm just being stereotypical mm, about. Okay, Spanish maybe things. maybe it is. Know. Anyway, um, according to my Spanish to English uh, dictionary, it says duende means elf. I don't think that's right. No, that doesn't. Good. Well, it might it's be. Festive. It might mean that as well. Elf hazard, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, so, it ties in now <laughs> with, the, with, the, <laughs> with, with that whole thing. It's just. It's. It's interesting to me that um, that these these things. Uh, what 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 prospers and what withers isn't really down to what the offer is particularly. It's more complicated than that. Is, well, well there is there is an inherent um, sort of downside to the DSP processing, and that is. Just like we have to replace our computers, mm. you're going to have processing that outdates itself. You can't really get away from Moore's law, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, no, we've we've no. kind of been here before, and we'd, um, we yeah we we have a podcast regular with strong views on this, who's who's stated <laughs> them very clearly in the past. So. <laughs> uh, we'll refer to the answers we gave some some months ago. Anyway, um. Going back to plugins, though, something else that I, I mean, I don't think actually I would miss if they were still around. It, what it was was that they were so appealing at the time. Was remember the URS plugins? Oh, oh yeah, yes. they, they yeah. just died a death, didn't they? I think they just stopped being updated one day, and yeah. and don't know what had... happened there. And I mean, there well, are things that do what they do now, absolutely. But there was some really oh, yeah. kind of like nice Nevi stuff and things, and it was. I think it, they did its particularly well at the time and yeah this is probably why i latched onto them and I, I, yeah if they were available now i don't think i'd pay much attention but it was it was a, it was a pity that they went away just all of a sudden like they did i guess that's you know that also poses another question which is okay you buy a product how long do you think you're going to be able to use that product it's one of the reasons why i like hardware uh, because my distresses that are sitting in front of me or my eqs that are sitting in front of me are always going to work where you know there is this net notion of uh, either abandonware or to, you know just products being discontinued because the company can no longer afford to to keep supporting it. You know that that certainly happens over time. Um, I think you just got to make your peace with it, and I try and pick products that I think are going to be in for the long haul. Yeah. It's 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 true. I mean, future proofing. I'm totally with you there. Of of um, I've used. This example loads of times before of uh, my uh, my BAE preamp that mm. I bought over a Neve because it was all discreet and could be repaired by a, a person with a soldering iron. It didn't have any surface mount in it, um, right? Which you know, I'm not expecting it to break down, to be honest. But you know, it is it is kind of there. Um, that's comparing hardware with hardware, mind. So uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right, and it's right. the, in the software model. You know, I sort of think if you get ten years out of a piece of software without having to do anything, you've done extremely well. Um, you know, just thinking about that, though, I'm thinking. You know, one of my go-to EQ plugins for maybe the past twenty years has been Filterbank. It's still around. Oh, I love it. Yeah, 
God, I bought you know? that. I bought that in two thousand and two. I think something like that. It was one of the first EQ plugins I had that was not a bundled, uh, not a bundled bundled plugin. Yeah, had to, had to buy it. You know that the filter bank, compressor bank, and analog channel. I think yeah. came and and now you know. God, I, I think I would have paid a thousand pounds for the three of them used. In fact, I think that's what I paid for them. Um, now they're God. What, what on in, on a sale you can buy? I think one of those for thirty quid each, something like that. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. that's a, that's a whole different thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, are, are we going to see vintage digital in terms of plugins? No, I don't think in terms of plugins. We already do with the lexicon gear. You know. Yeah, I mean, people yeah. tend to tend to kind of uh, talk quite a lot about the uh, about the analog stages of things like that so to, to, you know trying to saying favorable things about the uh, the converters and the uh, and the analog stage in mm. those in in those things but uh, well the lexicon bundle that's another product that you know is that still supported i've, I've got it yeah you've yeah. got it that's it no, it's, they it haven't done yeah. anything um they haven't developed it they haven't developed it right. and it's just kind of sitting there and it's uh, and they but what more is there to do with mm. you know it, it is mm. what it's supposed to be. And I, exactly. I suppose what it is is it's just that it falls off people's radar. Yeah. A good example of something that, that kind of – this didn't go away, but it kind of went on hiatus was the, the Massey plugins. And yeah. that's the case yes. of the small developer who only has so many hours in the day. And as I understand it, he, he, just, he, he just had too much on to be able to – uh, to to stay on top of the plugin stuff, but has since come back, and it's and, like yeah. And I imagine if you're a good again. programmer, and you could go and work in a non music industry for a little bit, and go and make some you know proper money, you might want to do that. And so the, so the other coming back to the lexicon thing, I think some other people are, are taking on that sort of algorithmic reverb approach. You know, Valhalla DSP are the the guys that I go to for for my lexicon style sounds in the box. Um, they're not very expensive. They're a lot. That it's very close to that uh, lexicon type sound. Right. Yeah, L- love that. Uh, um, I mean, I did. I, I didn't do any stuff on the Revos, but I did some stuff on the Delay, and the, that Valhalla Delay is my new, yeah. utter favourite. Sean's and great. I love it's their really very straightforward, um, uh, very straightforward pricing policy. Um, they, they don't do yeah. sales, they don't do offers, but everything's everything's fifty dollars, and that's it. And always will be, and it's kind of why would you why would you do a sale? Um, yeah. What I'd say uh, about the lexicon stuff is um, something that really got my attention because it's. I mean, you've got UA; they do a f- great um, lexicon. Obviously, uh, the Harmon with the actual lexicon plugins, and there's there's various places that you can mm-hmm. go for for you know uh, as close as you're going to find mm. um, 480s and stuff. But um, the thing that really and it's it's a difficult sell just because. Um, uh, in terms of what the benefit is, because it's something that looked quite dull, but the more I looked into it, I went, actually, this is really good, is Liquid Sonics Reverberate. And oh, because yeah. he's yeah. done Fusion IRs, uh, so you're getting all that modulation that's usually missing from uh, Convolution, uh, for more than just right. the Bricasti now, if you buy that, you've got um, you've got really good 480 that you can play with a lot more than you can in, uh, uh, in any... Um, in any convolution, and what's more, more than you can in uh, in a four eighty, if you want to go kind of like you know outside of the canon, if you know what I mean, of uh, of four eighty and what it could do and what it couldn't. So. Mm. Well, right. there's, there is actually another thing that's worth commenting on, which is when you've got control software for certain pieces of hardware, and I'm particularly thinking about the Nord modular here. If you remember the Nord oh, modular, wow. was a synthesi- yeah, oh, it was yeah, a synthesizer yeah. that. You couldn't really do anything on the synthesizer by itself. It had a tiny little LCD and only a couple of knobs. So you had to program it with a plugin, 
or, or a, like an application. Yeah. And that worked right up until the point that it didn't. And it became an end-of-life product. And, and then, you know, so if you want to use that product, you're going to have to run a computer that now is, I guess, 10 years old. Mm. I remember the adverts for that. It was great. It just got someone with a little table with Nord Modular and it just said, just push the food under the door. And I thought, that sums up a lot. (laughs) But it could be anything, you know, things like, um, I guess, 11 Rack would fall into it or the Axe 3, the Kemper, you know, any of these products that need a computer-based software um, front end for for the hardware. Uh, What else would we? I mean, a really good example, actually, is um, uh, I've got uh, an Axiom 25 M-Audio little keyboard controller. Yeah, there we go. I love the bigger one because I really like the key bed on them. Yeah, I've got the 25 as well. It mostly sits in a cupboard because I've got a big 88-note keyboard in front of me. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, I've I've tried a couple of other things and I found just the keyboards to be rubbish, but that Axiom one's great. Mm. And I've looked sort of Mm -hmm. secondhand for a 61 or something and that'd be nice as a thing. They're quite light. You just... Plonk it down, pull it out of the way, perfect. But there's some, um, I forget the name of it, but there's some software used to set it up, which as far as I can see, you can't you can't get or use anymore. Yeah, so it just, it's just a dumb it, MIDI you, box. You can drive yeah. it off the front yeah. panel, but it's a drag. It really yeah. Is. Do you remember Native well, Instruments Core? Do you remember that? I do. Yeah, yeah so I, I had definitely. one of those and, and you know, again, it became a, a, a bit of a doorstop. Um, but, you know. And, and- that's kind of an, it's an interesting because these are all, it's not software, it's not hardware. It's kind of, it fills that gap in between. It's hardware controlled by software, which I think, uh, James, to your point of, you know, hardware just works forever, you know, minus you, mm. there's maintenance and stuff like that. But this is that point where the hardware without the software becomes a doorstop. So is it the worst of both worlds? That, that's, that was it the point be. I was about to make, yeah. You know, it, it, well, you do have the best of both worlds as, as well. You know, you could, if with, a, with a mouse and keyboard, we use that all the time. I'm sure we're, we all use a mouse and keyboard much faster than I could, I don't know, program the front of an Eventide H3000. Yes, you know, easily. Like, yes. So, 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 it, so it does have the benefit of, um, of a software front end, but then that lack of support after a period of time. Yeah, you want to make sure. Uh, so, so one of the first things I do when I get a new digital device that has a software front end is not connect it to the software and learn how to use it in the first instance from the panel because I assume at some point I'm going to have to do it. And that could be at a gig, you know, particularly things like the AxeFX. When I gig with an AxeFX, I don't take a laptop with me. And if I need to adjust, I don't know, room reverb or, you know, filter cutoff, I don't want to have to learn the piece of hardware on the fly, you know, at the gig. So I need to start from a position of knowing how the hardware works. And then I bolt the software front end on later. And I feel that's a more, um, you know, future-proofing sort of way to work. That's an um, interesting one. I mean, uh, we probably ought to kind of wind this up, but I'm just thinking in terms of our audio interfaces now. I mean, James, you with your Matrix, I find it very unlikely you're driving that from the front panel. That would be an achievement. No, yeah. I, uh, D- Dadman and yeah. um, the Avid Dock and the iPad is how I... All of that, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm using a Red 4 Pre, and actually, mm. I mean, I, I, yeah, I have to use the software for some stuff, but everything I can do from the front panel, I actually tend to. Yeah. Uh, See, my is... audio interfaces sit in a rack about ten foot away from my se- my seated position. Uh, so, yeah. so there's no way I could do that. And I've got a, an Apollo X8 and a Red 16 here as well because sure, they're all sure. connected. But Steve, uh, on yours, yeah. your, your metric Halo. Yes. So, do you drive that from the front panel much? Mostly, 
Yes. Okay. So uh, because everything is accessible, I have um, I, I have the eight knobs, one for each channel, plus my uh, output knob for the monitoring section, and with their press knobs, so I can change the function that they're adjusting, turn on phantom power, turn it off, change sample rate. You can do it all from the front panel. Mm. And does that include when you stack multiple interfaces together? Can you still do that? Yes. Yeah. So the, the problem with the matrix, because it's connecting in over Dante, you know, at the moment I've got 180 channels just over Dante that I could connect into. There's no way I could possibly control all that from hardware. You know, I should yeah, say I don't yeah, have 180 yeah. channels here. That's just the capability of the box. We're not really so, comparing right. like we're like here, though, are we? Yeah, the, 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 yeah that's a different the, the matrix is, is such a complicated box. Um if you want it to be that, you know, you'd have to use software. And that, you know, that does bring something in, I guess, which is I assume that um, Dadman's going to be supported for the for the foreseeable future. I don't know, you know, but but one day maybe that'll that'll stop working and I'll have to move to something else. It's just logical that right. will happen. Indeed. Um, I don't expect that to happen anytime soon, though, but we should probably no, move no, it no. on. So uh, let's move on to uh, competitions. We have $15,000 worth of recording studio hardware to win in our holiday draw with prizes supplied by our friends at Audient, Avid, Focusrite, and Personas. Enter to win one of the following hardware bundles. The Audient ID44 and two Audient ASP880s bundle. Avid Pro Tools with Carbon. Focusrite Red 16 line and Focusrite RedNet R1 bundle, Personas Quantum 4848 and Personas Quantum 2626 bundle. Check out the win page for more details as well as some competitions our partners are running. That's a good competition. So, uh, yeah. That is a good one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, particularly, I'm a big fan of the Audient ASP 800 and 880s. They're they're great sounding boxes. Well, this was this was a, a great prize when they offered that one, just because um, uh, because they they offered two of the uh, ASP eight eighties. So anybody who was uh, who was looking to do some some serious tracking <laughs> with plenty of hmm. inputs and plenty of mic pre's, yeah, you, you're good there. Um, yeah. I've just been having this conversation. And there are I know a lot of people who basically all they're interested in is how many simultaneous inputs they've got in their in their rigs. These kind of tracking heavy people. Yeah, um, yeah. We yeah. should we should move it on though. So uh, yeah. If you've ever tried to do interviews over the internet with apps like Skype, you will know how hit and miss the audio quality and connection can be. And even on a good day, it isn't really good enough for a long form interview. We now use Source Connect Now, which offers ISDN equivalent quality audio using a Chrome browser, no software to install. To get your free account, follow the link in the podcast notes. So, find of the week. This is sponsored by RSPE Audio Solutions. RSPE Audio is up and running remotely. Their team's set up and working from the safety of their homes, and their sales staff is available by phone, live chat, or email to receive and process orders. They have everything you need to build or upgrade your home studio and ensure you can continue to work from home. If there's anything they can do for you, please don't hesitate to reach out or shop online at rspeaudio.com. Plus, of course, the link's in the podcast notes. So, finds of the week. Uh, oh, James, go on. Right. So, uh, mine is a, a Eurorack modular, just for a change. It's the T-Rex Replicator, and it's based on a pedal they did. So, it's it's essentially a, a small piece of tape with a reed head and a right head, and the tape runs through. The, um, the right head drops some audio onto it, and the reed head takes it off. So, you get that tape... Uh, analog tape sound. It's 
It's my first tape machine uh, in a very long time, if you can call it a tape machine. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's really fantastic. And I can interface it with Pro Tools. It's up on an insert and I can just run anything through it and and get that, you know, grungy tape sound or a delay off it. It's it's fantastic. Really love it. So is this you- like cassette tape? Sized. Yes, it's a it's a little cassette, and uh, but it's not a full sized cassette. It's just something they make themselves. Yeah. You know, um, hopefully I can get those in the future. Just coming, you know, a call back to earlier in the in the yes. podcast. Uh, but I'm going to buy a bunch of those. You get two with it, and uh, a, a couple of little cotton buds to clean it. And um, I have to provide my own alcohol, uh, which in this house is not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Steve? So uh, my. My pick is the McDSP 6060 Ultimate Module Collection. I, uh, I've had the McDSP um, plugins, all of the subscription bundle for everything f- forever, but I finally got around to using this one. And uh, over the past month, I kind of challenged myself, let's, uh, let me try something new. And uh, this has been one of the ones I gravitated to, and it's just been, uh, it's been a time saver, number one, but it's been uh, it's just tonally, uh, an incredible find for me. I love the fact that you can audition the different modules. And the settings kind of persist when you swap. And the se- yeah, exactly. So if I set my EQ and then decide to move from one EQ to the next, it holds my settings and I can just hear the difference that that EQ puts on the tone rather than having to reset everything. And same goes with the compressors and everything. So it's it's really cool. It has some great modules. Basically, it's a it's a digital 500 series rack. Cool. And you, so, you go on in, then. We've got to know uh, what, what. Just call out a couple of modules that, you, that are your kind of particular flavor of the month favorites. Yeah. So, Bob. Okay. Mm. Uh, what does Bob do? So, it's uh, base something bias is what Bob stands for. Okay. Yeah. Uh, a base uh, optimized bias, I think. That's it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. It plays with the low end in a way that can enhance it without muddying it up. You know okay. how sometimes if you if you boost your lows, it, it sort of sucks tone from everything? So like a sort of uh, VOG kind of thing, possibly? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Whoever it is I, who I, makes I, that, I can't even remember who makes that, but yeah. Uh, well, little, I, little Labs, I think. Little Labs, that's little exactly Labs, yeah. Is. And I, I believe it also takes a little something from the, the Poltec. Oh, so ter- it's, so it's clearly it's a phasey kind of... Phase, a phase relationship yeah, yeah. thing happening. And my other favorite is the PDQ on that, the, uh, the their Poltec um, emulation. It's really cool. Okay, cool. Uh, James, you know this one. So what, what about you? Yeah, cool, I, you know, I, I really like Bob. I tend to go for um, Moo Q as well. I particularly like the uh, the little cow pattern there. Uh, but you know, it's a that's a really nice EQ. Um, uh, otherwise, yeah, you know, the um, I think it's the E four hundred. I think no, four hundred four which is from Filterbank. I use yes. that quite a bit as well. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, the kind of straight up. Um, I usually start yeah. with the 404 and then go into something from there because that's that's yeah. a great little uh, filter. You get it's some just, weird stuff going on with that, kind of like uh, the uh, the EQ76, and it's like, well, there is no EQ in on, on 1176, but it's kind of, yeah, but what if? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I yes. like that. Yeah, they, they play around with the with the naming a little bit just to almost, I, I think Colin's a little bit of a, of a joker anyway, so he, he likes He's quite to do a lot of stuff. a joker. <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, you know, I love McDSP. They're one of the first companies I bought. Um, I, I bought plugins of uh, back in the TDM days uh, before uh, 
Um, other than the, um, the bundled plugins that I'd get with Pro Tools, they were the first people I, I invested in, uh, and it was Filter Bank, Compressor Bank, and Analog Channel. They, they're fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. They may have been the first available third party. They were certainly early. I mean, uh, for TDM, yeah. I don't yeah. know if it was the first, but F202 was a very early third party purchase for me. Yeah. yeah. Well, I believe, didn't Colin start working at, at the time DigiDesign? Well, he was programming the plugins there. Oh, really? I didn't I, know that. I believe that's how he started, and he decided to branch off and go start McDSP. Yeah. Now, the, fir- the first plugins I ever heard about were the, it was the native power pack, but obviously that was a native, native product. Right. So yeah, I mean, I've been using Filter Bank for mm. 20 years now. Yeah, same, same, very much. It's just a great plugin. Um, what about you, Jules? Well, because I knew uh, the 6040 and 6050 um, compression and EQ collection things, but those those versions of this, when I when I got to go on this, I kind of passed over those, and I was really interested in the stuff that wasn't in those EQ and, and compression versions. Uh, versions because it carries together it carries all of those together and combines them with some other stuff so the two that i really like were um s671 which is Mm -hmm. the mildest they do three saturators well like a saturator and a um a harsher one and then something that's just outright thrashy distortion but that's Mm. really good i love that and the other one that uh, just because it went somewhere where we just don't go often enough is there is one of the gates. There's a few gates in there, which is quite interesting to see because, you know, people don't tend to do kind of like hardware-like skewomorphic gates for some reason. Um, they're, I think they're a bit too utility for uh, people to bother doing that. But there was one of them that did uh, upward expansion, which I thought was really interesting and something that people just don't do enough of mm. because, yeah, it's kind of ig- ignored. <laughs> so Yeah, yeah. it is. That, that was really cool. What do you think of the uh, the tape emulation in that? Have you tried that? Uh, I haven't used it for a very long time, so I'm 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 not going to call it from memory. But I mean, I I, I loved all of that stuff um, when I was using it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, what I found was that I didn't settle on any particular thing. I kept coming back to certain certain things. I mean, I, I really liked the two different optos. Um, I, I really like the Fairchild. Yeah. I tended to be on the the slower, less aggressive ones. But then there's the uh, the complete sort of uh, uh, animal <laughs> to, um, compressor, whatever the fastest one is. I'm terrible with the names of these things. The very oh, yes. modern looking one. Yeah, the DE something. Probably. Um, oh, the D359. I've just That's had to it. look up. But That's that, it. Just, That's... just so that you can do kind of silly, you know, squishy. Uh, Plus push. it has the ne- the negative uh, compression setting, which just. Yeah. If you if you get, want to completely really ruin crazy. some drums rather yeah, than exactly. getting something constructive done, then <laughs> it's the just the one. <laughs> it's like it's the polar opposite of the uh, the feedback compression button. It, it, where that becomes very useful, the negative compression becomes very unuseful. It's just, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. What's going to happen now? <laughs> something that you don't want. <laughs> <laughs> Julian, what about you? What's your find? Uh, mine really, really early days on this one because I, I've, I, I got it like an hour ago. But um, uh, UJAM have done a new thing called strings. Um, I probably is pronounced like that because it's strings with four eyes, four consecutive eyes in the middle, presumably because I, I don't know why. But um, yeah, what I've seen so far, I kind of really like it just because it's so accessible. Um, I'm, I'm sort of a fan of their stuff just because it's deliberately uncomplicated yeah and i just i just want to kind of like make some stringy noises with something i the the levels of tweak available in kind of the high-end 
um, uh, orchestral tools are way beyond my pay grade. <laughs> and uh, it's just like, kind of, look, I'm, I'm not Hans Zimmer. Can I just have some, have some nice stringy noises and can you do some of it because I don't really know what I'm doing. And this seems to do it very well, so I'll have a play with that and probably something goes up on the site um, uh, sooner rather than later because, uh, yeah, it's fun. But, uh, yeah, anyway, strings. Nice. <laughs> anyway, with that, we should, we should probably uh, abandon ship. So uh, that's been the podcast, and uh, it's good night from me. It's good night from me. And good night from me. Good night. <laughs>